Hello, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Anime Ichiban, Gumastom's dedicated anime podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Pontier. As always, I am joined by the wonderful gentlemen, Harry Rogashone and Kyle Morris. Don't do that. Oh, you've middled this round. <laughs> I did indeed. <laughs> Just throwing in a bit of a plot twist mid-season, mid-year. We're halfway through 2020, guys. Oh. We're almost there. We're almost there. Oh. It, it's, it's strange. It's been a really, really fucking weird year for many obvious yeah, that's reasons. Why, that's why I got to throw in these wind shades partway through. You got to keep the readers' attention. They got, they've they've grown My desensitized to it all now, lost. so you really, really got to grab them grab them by the neck at this point. Mm. Mm. <laughs> that's a violent your, your attention. Well, I will grab you by the neck if you don't tell me how you've been up to, Mr. Kyle Morris. Oh, well been pretty good uh i am nearing the end of base game for persona 4 and that's a lot of fun it's really dated wait a the lot of base regards. game yeah like i still have Not golden persona 4 golden well i i mean okay so like i've gotten through all of the content that the game originally shipped with now i'm getting into okay. golden content I thought you literally meant you whipped out your PS2. It's like, all right, let's play oh, this Lord, holy no. inferior version <laughs> don't of this think game. I can handle with those long load times. Uh, no, I'm getting near the end of it, and it's it's nice. Um, it's dated in a lot of regards, but uh, the story and the characters have held up very well, uh, especially compared to P5. But yeah, now that I have uh, finished that, I have finally been worn down and thanks to the steam summer sale i picked up trails of cold steel so you sure that did. was uh it, it's it's very charming uh <laughs> there's, there's definitely like a, a vibe that jrpgs from like 2008 to 2013 have mm. 2000 2008 to 2013 like, like the like the a- late 2000s early 2010s um Elaborate on the vibe. Yeah. Well, the the vibe that I get is very much. Uh, it's. I, I guess I describe it as like games not necessarily being as cinematic, uh, and they definitely rely a lot more on your imagination, as well right. as being rather unforgiving when it comes to mechanics. Okay, I I definitely see what you mean in that regard. Yeah. He, uh. I, I think there hasn't been a single episode of this podcast where I haven't brought up Betrayal series in some shape or form. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're, I, you're, been, you're finally warming me fucking down. Yeah, I, I'm relishing uh, Kyle's live blogging of all of his experience with it, and I can't wait for him to get to some spots. Uh, but yeah, besides games, have you been watching anything lately? Uh, hey, how are you? I, I really like the intro <laughs> to VNA. VNA, I've been watching yeah. VNA. Um, all right, I, yeah. Because yeah, it finally came to netflix uh so i watched like a few of the episodes um let's say like half the season when it was not there yet but it, i took a break uh, mm-hmm. and i came back in and i actually started watching with the dub uh which is actually pretty nice uh it's pretty I well also done. watched the dub um, i i caught bits of a dub I, I switched over occasionally to see what it was like and it like yeah mitra is really well voiced and i think uh just in general it's pretty good yeah, it's yeah. it's getting to that point where um, I am recognizing a lot of like the new batch of VAs, like p- people that have like gained prominence over like the past few years. And as soon as I heard the dub, just to try it out, I was like, "Oh, that's Jeremy Lake." Yeah, I'm not not watching this. 
Yeah, uh, all three of us have watched BNA at this point, and we'll be talking more about that later. But yeah, same. I uh, I watched the dub purely because that I forgot that's what Netflix defaults to yeah. when you turn it on. I'm like, oh, okay, I might as well just. And then yeah, I ended up really liking him. It wasn't even like a concession. It's like, no, this is just good voice acting. And I always appreciate dubs more when there's more like a diverse cast of characters. It's not like purely Japanese. Like some of them are technically Japanese, but it doesn't. It's not really portrayed that way. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there is a lot more forgiving in that regard. Mm-hmm. Why does your ne- why does your Netflix uh, default to dub? Because mine always goes to sub automatically. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I it's I guess uh, the UK knows uh, what's up in terms of uh, oh the the UK's superior voice acting as they say it. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose in the UK more of us can read, whereas in the US you have Alabama, wow. so you Ooh. have to Ooh. you have to obviously like default to uh to to that. You know what? All right, I changed my mind. I'm I'm changing my uh, my main topic this episode to subs versus dubs. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that one, Harry. I'll give you that one. <laughs> all right, Harry. What about you? How have you been doing in literate UK? I've, I've been all right. Uh, yes, we're all very literate over here. Um, I've been able to see my girlfriend for some socially distanced dates recently, and that's been oh, really nice. fun. Oh, nice to actually get out of the house and to kind of rejoin society to a small degree is really really nice. Um, but I'm still mm-hmm. avoiding like going out properly. I've, I've not been to any like public places per se. Um, right. Meanwhile, we've got like pubs opening and a lot of people going out to like big events and pubs. And I just think that's pretty stupid. So I'm still remaining as as isolated and as, as in lockdown as possible. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, it's, it's been nice. It's been good fun. Uh, nice to go for a walk every now and then though. Yeah. <laughs> j- yeah. Just to like not remain like indoors constantly mm-hmm. and to actually like, have a life outside of that so it's been cool yeah um mm-hmm. biggest experience was really just like watching bna like uh kyle said um i've been flitting through various series and various uh games but i've not really settled on anything but bna mm-hmm. was fantastic and i really enjoyed that yeah so that has been and life. i have also watched the bna <laughs> brand new animal and <laughs> Don't want to jump into that too much yet because that, spoiler alert, that will be our main topic for this episode. It's been a while since we've uh, been able to, it's been a long time since all three of us have watched a show that's current and relevant. Yeah, what was the Um, last show? Was it Darling in the Franks? It was Darling in the Franks and My Hero Academia, basically. Like we eventually all got around to, well, you didn't watch, but you were, you knew Kimetsu no Yaiba, but Harry's a little bit late on the train for that one. But here's like, no, fresh off the press just finished airing we are all on board let's talk about it so yeah we are going to be talking about some bna later in the episode uh that was also my main uh attraction for the past few weeks i also uh finished star wars jedi fallen order oh and that was hell yeah. Uh, yeah nice that was a fantastic game i had i came off of 130 hours of xenoblade chronicles definitive edition it's <laughs> so like okay that's enough jrpg for a while i need something vastly different and for sure uh Fallen Order provided that. It was nice to just get into an action game. I, I was telling uh, Kyle about this, but I really appreciate how uh, elegant the combat system mm-hmm. is. How mm-hmm. It's very minimalistic. All of your abilities have a dedicated button, and if it's a combination of buttons, it's a very uh, natural combination. There's no remapping of skills. It, like Everything is at your fingertips, and it's what you can do with those powers that I really appreciate. Uh, uh, Cal is a I, I feel like Cal could have been fleshed out a little bit more, but for a story that for all intents and purposes couldn't actually exist in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, they, they did an okay job with them. And there were some parts uh, with his trauma of, of overcoming Order 66 that I enjoyed. And the way how, at, because Kyle, you haven't finished the game, I correct? have not, no. The, the way at the very end, how they've, because they have to retcon everything eventually, because mm. it's, again, it can't matter. But the way they do it is so brilliantly, it, it works and doesn't work at the same time. It's one of those endings that you can't just help to chuckle at because you know exactly what they were trying to pull. It's like all the My Hero Academia movies, oh, too. Okay. It's like how you, they you, retcon, buy, you buy into it. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> how they retcon Deku's glove and they retcon uh, Bakugo in the second movie. It, it's like that. I forget. So like, why this, didn't this they can't... just make another glove? I don't. Wait, was, I, wasn't it because it was his old sidekick and his sidekick... Does his sidekick die? I forgot. I forgot to ask, well, I forgot to ask you guys, by the way. Did you ever see the second My Hero Academia movie? I haven't, no. I haven't, no. Oh, I just know what happened. So, 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 yeah, you need to watch it. It's really, really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Even even yeah, though I, the whole, like, Bakugo thing is pretty... Uh, that's the one moment in the film where I felt like that's a pretty silly kind of plot twist. Right. But, uh, but you understood, like, why it Yeah, had it yeah. It, it was still entertaining, but the whole film is it felt like the kind of exactly what you want that genre of film to be okay. in that it's just absolutely packed with action, packed with funny character moments. And it's just perfect kind of shown and popcorn entertainment. Um, it just works perfectly for that kind of genre. So yeah, I'd recommend it. Big yeah. Time. I really hope that it comes to some streaming platforms soon, because I think the first, actually, I'm not sure if the first movie is streaming. Anywhere. I think it's on Funimation. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. But I if think. it is, then I imagine the second movie will eventually as well. But if not, then I might rent the DVD or something like that. Mm. But yeah, I definitely want to see it. It, at it some is point. really, really good. But yeah, you, you understand what I mean by the kind of ending Jedi Order has then by referring to it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. We, it, it's we like, can't allow this to exist. It'll break everything that's been established already. But yeah, if you want a fun side story uh, with it's it's more about the idea and the world that they're playing with. Um, which you know, mm-hmm. in Fallen Order, it does such a fantastic job of using the Star Wars IP in the Star Wars universe. Which, while that, having a good Star Wars game I, I, in the modern I age. Know. I know. Although, uh, I did wild. pick up Battlefront 2 over uh, the Steam Summer Sale. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's very light and arcadey, but, you know, sometimes I just want to hear blasters go pew pew and John. And Williams now that they score. fixed the pay to win that, aspects yeah, that, too. Yeah, that too. Yeah, uh, it's effectively in maintenance mode, so they're not like shoving down new drops uh, every so often. So what, what you buy right, is what you get. I know when the first game came out, it's just like, oh man, like if you want to get anywhere in this game, you better lay down some yeah, cash. Yeah, pretty much. But no, Fallen Order is fun. I do need to hop back into it and hopefully unlike something like Sekiro or Dark Souls, like I can actually hop back into it without much trouble. I think you can do that considering there's a map that <laughs> telling you very true. clearly where you haven't, yes. haven't been yet. Yeah. Unlike Dark Souls and Sekiro. <laughs> Alrighty. So we're going to jump right into the news then. And it's been a pretty light smattering of news for this cycle not a whole lot's happened but there ha- has been a few key things one of which was a very experimental thing called anime expo light mm. which i i told you guys about this when it was happening it's basically like everything else in the world anime expo which is the largest anime co- ex- anime convention in the u.s and i think the world as well I, I might be wrong in that because japan actually doesn't have that many anime conventions um but it is a very large anime convention. And so, of course, that was canceled. 
But in its place came this online two-day-long Anime Expo Lite, where it's just two days, almost 24-7. It was like from 7 a.m. to 1 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Ooh. and then started again the next day. It was, yeah, it was a lot. But it was just, it was streaming on Twitch, and it was streaming on YouTube, and it was just panels after panels, special guests, a little, like, mini concerts, people recorded in studios. And it was a neat little thing. I'm not sure, did you guys ever have a chance to check it out during those two days? This happened... Last week, Fourth of July weekend. No, I wasn't able to. Uh, frustratingly, I remember receiving a message, and you said, "Oh, you guys should check this out for a podcast." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I need to do that at some point." And now right. you mentioned it, I was like, "Oh shit, yeah." So <laughs> I'm afraid I didn't get a chance. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, I, I'll do my best to uh, explain what uh, because I I didn't watch the whole. What is it like? 30 hours of total of stuff why yeah, didn't you I, it's meant do to you be even care about this podcast i know i i need to i need to revoke i, my I think license. we I'm should sorry. kick like, matt I, off a I, podcast I <laughs> <laughs> so i i tuned in here and there for uh whatever was airing i had it on the background while i was playing fallen order and i also tuned in for some very specific panels such as um kodansha's or aniplex panels just to see what was going on and what was interesting about this is that in some cases, some of the panels were straight up just what you see at an anime convention, especially the industry panels like Kodansha and Aniplex, where it's just like, hey, here's some shows that we've licensed and here's some that are coming up. Have fun, bye. And there's not anything else to that. Um, other uh, panels, though, such as there, what, what, what TCG was it? What TCG is owned by Pony Canyon? Shadowverse? Uh, no, that's Psy Games. Oh, I don't know who Pony oh, Canyon oh. is. I don't know what a oh, TCG okay, but, is. Trading. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. They both sound cool. So like Ma Magic the Gathering, yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a panel on some TCG owned by Pony Canyon, I forget. But it was done, it was hosted by a host with uh, various voice actors that also like play a part in the digital version of this TCG. And there was just this back and forth. It was a very casual thing. It was also very, it it was at this point where I understood the difference between uh, Western live casters and Japanese live casters because it's funny in that both of them are are fake in a way because the Western live casters they're not used to live casting or streaming in a way, and so they're trying their best to be genuine, and then it doesn't come across mm -hmm. that way. Meanwhile, the Japanese side of things are very used to that because that's a lot of their business. But because of that, they have it down to so much of a science that it's so perfect that it seems fake. And so it's this weird two-sided thing that's kind of interesting to see depending on the yeah. panel. Hmm. Um, but all, all of them had this endearing uh, aspect to them because all of them were kind of like fumbling through and trying to figure it out because it's the first format. And that's kind of what I noticed, however, is that you would think because this is streaming on YouTube and Twitch that there would be some sort of audience participation or involving the chat in some way. But there was none of that. All of these streams were either just a, a PowerPoint presentation in some way or like a pre-recorded video. And I feel like that was a bit of a missed opportunity, especially because at these panels, there is usually a Q&A. Uh, so there were some panels that involved voice actors that took questions from Twitter and they answered those, but it wasn't quite the same as addressing a live audience as you would in I an auditorium. I think I can understand that uh, because unless they had like vigilant moderation staff, uh, it's way easier to be a shithead online than it is to be in mm -hmm. public. 
so that, there's probably, you know, that whole concern. That is very fair, yeah. And this was all put together, I would say, in the span of two to three months. I'm not sure because AX was officially canceled back in May or April. It was actually fairly late. They held on for a while before actually finally pulling the plug. And so they they managed to scramble and put this together in a relatively short amount of time. So I can definitely cut them some slack for uh, not not wanting to get too experimental with it. Just putting out the bare essentials. Like, let's do our best to like retain as much of it as we can. And I think that they they pull it off to a decent, an admirable extent, I should say. Mm. Yeah, for well, like a first well, go. Well, but, um, well done for doing it, okay. given yeah. the situation. Yeah, exactly. And it wouldn't surprise me if in the future, after the world has returned to some sense, semblance of normalcy and we have in-person conventions again, and I think we've been saying this a lot, but if there is an online presence in addition to the uh, the physical presence to involve more people that may have not been able to get out there. And I think um, this event and a lot of other online events that companies are experimenting with is definitely laying the groundwork for that. They're yeah. being forced to I lay mean, that even before the pandemic, And it would be a waste to not use it Even afterwards. before the pandemic, we already kind of saw that with uh, Nintendo and Sony doing their own direct presentations during E3. Uh, mm-hmm. which I would argue was way more effective than, you know, those E3 presentations uh, or like those live exactly. presentations. I definitely sometimes miss the, the hokey corniness of a live presentation sometimes, though. <laughs> sometimes, but I don't I, I feel sometimes, like I could do yeah. without that. I don't, that's just me. I mean, like, can, can, you, can you really compare it to Reggie walking on the stage with the Wii Fit balance board in front of him and saying, my body yeah, is ready? Yeah, there's something very satisfying top of it. about, like, um, I think one of my favorites is when, like, the Xbox One was announced with all this mm-hmm. really awful... Uh, oh, no. things like like you've always got to be online and, and it's really expensive and um you can't trade games in because they lock to your console oh, just yeah. to see that awkward silence i think there's mm, something really special about that yeah i think um, the secondhand <laughs> cringe is probably yeah okay i i can get it for that mm-hmm. but then you got conferences like anyways <laughs> that's off topic one, one of the interesting things that came out of this Anime Expo Lite, though, was a very big announcement, and that is the announcement of an anime adaptation for the World Ends With right. You game. Mm-hmm. And so, Kyle, it sounds like you were aware of this game. Harry, have you heard of I've this heard game? I've heard of it, before? yeah. Yeah, so it was a game that came out on the original DS in 2000. Mid two thousands or two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah mid two thousand. I think they did a Switch reboot or a Switch remaster. Yeah, they released yes. it on like mobile exactly. and Switch. Like I think last year, at some point. Right. The, the Switch version was two, year and a half, two years ago, and the mobile version was a little bit older than that. Yes. Um, but yeah, the original game came out on the original DS in two thousand seven. I found, and uh, it was. And still is, I guess, my favorite original DS game, hands down. The the ingenuity behind this game and the story behind it is just, you can't find anywhere else, including the modern ports, because of the way it handled its mm-hmm. battle system. Uh, it, it utilized the dual screen technology of the DS, where one character is controlled on the bottom screen, and the other character is simultaneously controlled on the top screen. And it's not like they're alternating turns. They are fighting their battles at the same time. And so you had this like split brain approach that was so difficult to wrap your mind around at first. 
But then once you did and it clicked, there was absolutely nothing like it on the marketplace and still nothing like that to this day because you can't mimic well, that two screens. And what was screens. really cool too was uh, because of the touchscreen aspect, uh, the way that it had you input certain attacks or moves was like you had to draw a certain pattern. Um, was, right. Like that was also a huge part of like what made it, like you weren't just tapping buttons on the bottom of the screen. Like you had to like draw like an upward slash if you wanted to attack like that or like drag across yeah. the screen if you want to dash and it was like a very innovative game on the ds uh, mm -hmm. and same for the top screen where it's like little mini puzzles it wasn't just like mashing into yeah buttons. apparently the switch version like wasn't as good because it couldn't recapture that exactly mm -hmm. yeah like i i played some of the switch version and it's especially fun with co-op if you have one player controlling one of the character but it just translating those uh those touch controls to motion controls doesn't go over too well as you might imagine but if you play in portable mode you can get the touch screen aspect but then again it, again it's still all on one screen but another aspect that was really kind of pioneering about this is that it really allowed you to tailor your the difficulty of it that i feel like a lot of mo modern jrpgs follow as well uh your level you can you can lower your level at any moment and raise it back up to whatever you've been. And the lower your level, the higher the drop rate of the enemies. And so you are encouraged to always be at a lower level than your max to actually mm -hmm. maximize your drops. Mm -hmm. Similarly, if you increase the actual difficulty of the game, that gets better drops as well. There were food buffs that if you ate them, uh, you'd be debuffed for a set number of battles because you're full and you're fighting on a full stomach. <laughs> but then uh, once you fully digest it, you got a big buff. And so there are a lot of these really interesting ideas behind it that really, and of course there's the modern setting in modern Shibuya uh, that is really astonishingly one-to-one -one if you ever compare the map to it. And so uh, this, this anime is coming out in 2021. It's quite a far ways, far ways off. And what was, I found uh, humorous about this announcement is that this is also the this was the worldwide announcement of this this uh, new anime you see, and that means it's the first time Japan's hearing about it as well. But this is for a this is a Western presentation being presented in English, and so during this whole presentation with this uh, panel host, there were Japanese subtitles beneath it for those oh, Japanese neat. viewers. And I'm just thinking, how, oh, how the, how the turns have tabled. <laughs> Yes. Now you are the ones that have to read subtitles. But uh, on the stream also, they had a lot of the original staff. So um, the original composer of the music, which is really well known for a lot of these uh, vocal tracks and uh, hip hop songs. Uh, again, very uh, different for JRPGs in the, back in the day. Uh, Persona 3 was basically the only one. And even then, it only had like two or three vocal tracks. Whereas this tiny little DS game, the DS cartridge that could only hold 16 megabytes of data... Had 18 vocal tracks on it. Oh my God. Yeah. It's an itty bitty tiny amount and they squeeze it all on. And so like each battle would be a random new song. And so that was another thing. Uh, you had character designs by Tetsuya Nomura and Gen Kobayashi. Uh, that's where you get the spiky hair but like, from. And it, it was definitely, um, I, I would say like The World Ends With You um, was like the prime example of how my issues with like current square games uh were actually a big strength uh for the game design and the aesthetic um just because it's so out there so colorful and so stylized like it works instead of like detracts from the fact that Sora has like 500 fucking zippers 
Mm-hmm. But like it makes sense with Shibuya. Yeah, and it, it Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Because Shibuya, along with Harajuku, mm-hmm. are one of the fashion meccas of Tokyo. And so it's not uncommon to see like what the actual hell are you wearing? Yeah. No, How is totally that practical at all? Like you see that in real life. Like yeah. Pop soundtrack. It's like, yeah, it works super well. Yeah. And I just realized that we've gotten this far without explaining the plot of The World Ends <laughs> with You. And so I'll go ahead and explain that. But also at the same time, during this panel, they neither confirmed nor denied that they would be following the game story one-to-one. Mm. We don't know that for sure. We already know that they are going to be using modern Shibuya today, 2020 Shibuya, oh, instead of 2007 Shibuya. Okay. You can see that come into play in this trailer because everyone has smartphones mm. now instead of mm. flip phones, you see. And that's actually a really big deal because phones are a huge part of this story. So in this story, our main boy, Neku, one day wakes up in the streets of Shibuya and he realizes that no one can seize him. He can't touch anyone. He's essentially a ghost. Uh, He gets a message on his phone saying, um, essentially, seven days to survive. Will you make it? Um, Welcome to the Reapers game. And he eventually meets this girl named Shiki and they form a partner pair and they participate in the Reapers game where each day they are given an objective and they have to complete that objective. Otherwise, they are erased. What erased means? Find out later. <laughs> um, so that is the basic premise of The World Ends With You. And in the game, I will say it is a roller coaster of a story that has plot twists constantly. It has very, very well-written characters, especially Neku develops extraordinarily throughout. He is the typical emo protag at the beginning and the way he kind of comes to terms with things and uh, learns to give a shit <laughs> is really, really fascinating. But uh, yeah, I am interested to see how they adapt this into an anime. There is a teaser trailer up on the Square Enix YouTube channel that you can check out now. It is being animated by Shin A Animation, which have uh, done Mysterious Joker and Doraemon, <laughs> um, and also Domerica, which has done Flying Witch Petite. And it is being directed by Kazuya Ichikawa, who has done, excuse me, Monster Strike the Animation, Clean Freak Aoyama-kun, and Tante Z KZ Chicken Note. So not a whole lot of big names on that, <laughs> but at the very least, yeah, uh, we got a lot of the original uh, game, I, game staff I think on that's, board as well. That's so more Kim exciting Gobi-Yaki. though, that it's like not big names because you've got mm. a really kind of, kind of a cult game being like animated by sort of cult people i guess you could say like right like not people from like a religious yeah. cult obviously that'd be weird but like, uh, yeah yeah, a cult, yeah you a know cult, what i mean yeah. um so it could be cool yeah and uh to your point what was really charming during this uh this panel interview so kazuya ichikawa the director i just mentioned you could you could see he understood the weight of the expectations he um is being held to him for the series he was very visibly nervous about it and was also kind of humbled to be given the opportunity to make this series. Because as you said, Harry, this this game has a very, very strong and passionate cult mm. following to it. People have been raving and, uh, what's the word? Salivating <laughs> over, I guess, including myself, a sequel to this game because it ends in a cliffhanger. Oh, shit, really? Um, or, or not the main ending, but there is a secret ending that ends in a cliffhanger. Do you, do you recommend And so we have been waiting for that sequel. I've honestly stopped hoping because there have been so many little, because at first people thought, oh, World Ends With You characters are appearing in Kingdom Hearts. That means it's popular. We're getting the sequel. Yeah. And that didn't happen. And then, oh, switch port with an extended epilogue. We're getting a sequel. And that hasn't happened. And so now we're getting this anime. Maybe it will increase interest. But at this point, it's still late that I've 
I can't bother to get my hopes up. It would be nice if it mm. did, though. Fingers crossed. Uh, exactly. But yeah, so 2021, we don't know when in 2021. That could be winter 2021 for all we know. But that will be coming eventually. Uh, another anime announcement that's a big deal is not coming out in 2021, but 2022 Ooh. is an adaptation of a series that also has a double digit in its name. I tried making a joke out of that and that just did not work out well. Cybertech Punk 2077 oh, yeah. is getting an anime adaptation. Yes, Have you guys I'm heard about this? Trigger. Oh, by Trigger. By oh, Trigger. Shit, that would be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, or I shouldn't. I shouldn't say adaptation. It's getting a companion piece to it. Uh, it's called Cyberpunk Edge Runners, and it will be a standalone ten-episode story of a street kid trying to survive in the technology and body modification obsessed city of the future. Having everything to lose, he chooses to stay alive by becoming an edge runner, a mercenary outlaw, also known as a cyberpunk. I think. I think it's really interesting. So, that Trigger are kind of making waves for themselves outside of Japan as well. So that's like yeah, recently they still, animated it, the opening uh the opening movie for the new Shantae game. They've also done it for individual. Shantae, uh, yeah, they've done a lot of right. collabs with uh, Western franchises. It's quite cool, yeah. And so this this is two way interesting as well because like Shantae and Indivisible, like it is a big deal. Those are Western games, but they are indie games mm. in the end, and it's just a small portion of it. But here, this is super big triple A Western developer. The creators of The Witcher 3, one of the most well-regarded games of this generation. I really liked it. I wasn't quite that high of it, but you can't... Uh, it is definitely up there in terms of uh, reception. And so this is their first game after that. There is a lot of expectations riding on it. And here we are getting an anime series from Trigger on it. And so this is the first time I can really think of where we get an anime series of a big Western video game like this. Like, we've had anime series of JRPGs, like Persona, Tales, uh, The World Ends With You, but this is the first time that we're getting one of a big Western game. What does that say well, to you guys? What does that say to similar, you about Cedar Project? Uh, not Project? nearly to the same scale as Edron is, but we had something similar when Blade Runner 2049 released because I forget, the stu- I think it was, uh, actually, Production IG. Um that right, did yeah. some of the shorts for it. And those were really good. Uh, but I, what, what has me really excited for this is honestly not the fact that it's Trigger uh, working with, you know, big Western IP. It's more that Trigger is working with an IP that has a really, really, really developed world and story. Um, because... If I'll be real, one of my issues with Trigger has been their writing. Uh, and, oh, and that yes. has, I that have has things to say. not changed with BNA. In fact, that has only reinforced uh, my opinion of oh, Trigger's writing yes. as a whole <laughs> because they have fantastic characters, they have fantastic animation, um, and they ooze style. Like BNA is probably the most visually and aesthetically appealing show that they've released so far, but it's so basic in terms of the writing uh, mm-hmm. that if they are given something like Cyberpunk, which has very complex themes and very interesting takes on like transhumanism, uh, technology, and like uh, futuristic. Philosophy and uh, all of that 
stuff. Um, I think that's really exciting because it will push Trigger to, you know, make stuff that's honestly like outside of their comfort zone. Mm. You took the words right out of my mouth. I got them. Yeah. Got them words. Uh, yeah. Like uh, to your, like you said too, uh, I'm really excited because I think Trigger also uh, lacks in world building department. And to your point here, they are being handed this already very well-developed, what we're assuming is going to be a very well-developed world if it's anything to go by by CD Projekt Riot's uh, track record. And another interesting bit about this is that uh, this world is going to be very different from uh, Trigger's usual fare, I feel like. It's going to be a lot more gritty, nitty-gritty compared yeah. to their other stuff. Yeah, and I think that's going to challenge them in a way that we haven't seen Trigger mm -hmm. challenged before. Mm -hmm. It'll be cool to see. Uh, I just, yeah. well, actually, no, I want to kind of bite my tongue because I want to hold on my trigger points for our main discussion, actually. So I'm going to try and leave right, it. Right, yeah, that, that, that yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, exactly. That when I had this piece, I'm like, oh, but this is, how do I, mm, are, are we going to use this, this as a segue or like, more news points to go through? No, we're not because oh, we got a little, okay. we got a little we'll bit more. Postponed. This will be yeah. a postponed segue then. Okay. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, I'll come back to those thoughts. Um, but yeah, I I think there is a lot of potential here. I forgot to mention that Hiroyuki Himaishi yes, of Gurren yeah, Lagann and Kill a Kill is God, directing the, the anime. Fucking, like production staff for this yeah. is insane. Yeah, Yo Yoshinori is designing the characters of Little Witch mm. Academia. <laughs> Imagine Little Witch characters in the cyberpunk <laughs> oh, universe. That'd be amazing. I'd watch it. Yeah. <laughs> And there was also the third big name that is not on this article, but I know they're also a really big deal, and I feel very bad for not having that on hand. I don't Do remember the it? name, but are you talking about the composer? Chance? Yes, I yeah, believe the composer, I, yeah. I also forget the name, because the only trigger staff I really yeah. remember, like, offhand is Imaishi. <laughs> yeah, Imaishi and Yoshi. Yeah, so it's basically the big three. They have assembled the—they they say it in their reveal, te uh, reveal teaser that it's like, we've assembled the best of the best yeah. for this So that, that is very— it, uh, but, yeah that speaks towards a certain optimism that I think I'm warranted in having for this project. Um, because, uh, and we'll exactly. dig into this later with BNA, but my favorite episode was directed by Imaishi. So, yeah, mm -hmm. we'll dig into that. And so uh, the, 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 the Cyberpunk 2077 game is coming out on November 19th for PlayStation 4, Xbox oh, One, God, and PC. It's been yeah, delayed I, like, I, I, yeah, it's been delayed like three whatever. times. For, fortunately, like seven years for it. fortunately, people don't really mind. There's not really yeah. much of a following for it. People aren't that bothered if it comes out or not. So when it gets delayed, people don't mind at all. It's not like it's a popular game. <laughs> you know, of course I not. would joke about that. Harry, but I do social media for Xbox. <laughs> so every time those delays have happened, yeah, that's uh, been fun to work around. Give it, give us, if you're allowed <laughs> in your job, give us some insight into how that is when you have to actually manage the social media side of that. We when literally you get major have delays. to, there, there are times when big events happen like that where it's like, okay, how do we touch this? Uh, mm. Where we'll like, we'll, <laughs> we will receive guidance from the higher ups at Xbox it's who like are a in smoldering who are slab in of iron talks with the studios to be like, this is how we talk about this. Um, it, it's very surprisingly like carefully cultivated. Mm. I, I definitely believe that because gamers, gamers aren't touchy. No. Really, a really open-minded <laughs> bunch. Uh, 
just lovely they people. Smell great. Smell great. Practice great hygiene. Mm-hmm. Really nice to women. Really supportive of women. They're they're re- they're real. They're really uh, stressing out during this this quarantine, though, not being able to go outside. It's been it's been a uh, really right. stressful. Yeah, okay, so actually, on that though, it, it's honestly kind of funny. Um, here, well, I'm sure it's you know rough for some of my friends who are like, oh god, you know, I can't like go out, I can't socialize, and it's like I'm just gonna keep doing what I've always been doing. <laughs> That's been the case for a lot of my friends. Like they say, yeah, it sucks that I can't go out, but uh, has it really infected my uh, core yeah, hobbies? Yeah, that, that's really it. But. So. So Cyberpunk Edgerunner is coming out in 2022. Again, no time when that is. Could be December 2022. It's a long way away. And I can't remember the last time we've gotten an anime announcement that is that far away. Like we, uh, we, we'll we get movie announcements, but like they'll be like, okay, no date. It'll just happen when it happens. But here it's like, no, it's coming in 2022. Please be excited. Oof. And so <laughs> that's something I want to kind of touch on is that does that work for I an anime? I think it works because specifically for this anime because of the studio and the IP. If it were literally any other mm-hmm. combination, I don't think it would uh, fly as well. Can can you maintain a hype cycle for an anime, though? Like May- Maybe game, if they start delaying it, it will get is... more hyped up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think you can, um, because like you have to keep in mind, yes, Cyberpunk is going to release in November, but the actual lifespan of that mm-hmm. game of that game will most likely like be like when was the last DLC for Witcher Three? Um, that was probably like a year or two after like the base game launched. Um, so they're mm-hmm. not like the thing about this collaboration is that you don't only have Trigger pushing it; you have CD Projekt Red pushing it. Mm-hmm. I really hope that what they do is they say we want to release Cyberpunk uh, alongside the anime adaptation. So they delay they delay it to twenty twenty two. I mean, that that could certainly be an option for them to take. But uh, no, yeah, I, I think uh, the the uh, star power behind both uh, Trigger and CD Projekt Red will keep it going, and this anime announcement was i'm gonna guess honestly to uh quell people who are kind of uh salty at the delay <laughs> just be like we have really cool stuff coming please be yeah be patient. yeah it's a yeah. diversion yeah I, I think diversion. i think that's a very good point and that the game itself will be the hype cycle for the anime yeah and exactly. um i think even if you don't play games uh with the amount of uh, mind share that CD Projekt Red has and just how much cyberpunk will be advertised, I feel like, mm. uh, it will get in front of the eyes of anime fans as well. And so when it finally does come out eventually, then it will be in the minds of people again. Because I think for a nor- any other show, it would be impossible. Like... Unlike games, you can't have previews and, imp- and impressions come out along the way to like keep people interested. It's like you can release mm-hmm. a single trailer, maybe a second trailer, but any more than that, and you're just spoiling your show. <laughs> oh, so, wait, you know what? No, I there is an example, Matt, of oh. a show of two shows that are now on like we're rapidly approaching year two of their announcement uh, and not having come out yet which is Eurocamp and Zombieland Saga Season 2. 
that is as Ooh. good enough as any to jump into my impromptu topic that I've come up with this episode. So yes, uh, Kyle, uh, something this this announcement with its very far out release, and also this anime season has made me realize that. There are a lot of shows and a lot of anime shows that go a long time in between their seasons. Um, so Eurocamp and Zombieland Saga, they both finished airing last year. Have, um, we know they're getting second season, but we haven't heard anything about them. This season, we have the second season of ReZero has finally started, right. as well as the third season of my high school rom-com snafu. Right, right. And so I just before this episode, I watched the first episode of the third season of Snafu because I love that show. And I was completely and utterly lost. I had no idea what was going on, why the characters are doing this. There were entire characters I completely forgotten about. And then I looked mm-hmm. it up. The second season for that show came out in 2015. Oh, Lord. It's been five years since the last season. And I feel like I need to go watch the first two seasons again in order to uh, mm. fully enjoy this. So my question is, can there be too long between anime seasons? Like Harry. Between seasons? Yes, yes between seasons. Harry. Say that the next My Hero Academia season doesn't come out for another three years. <laughs> oh, no. Don't say it's not so. <laughs> Which, um, how would that affect your enjoyment of the show? Would you still be able to just hop right into it and have a good time, do you think? I, I think I could, honestly, for me personally, mm-hmm. because um, I, it would obviously be like, really, it'd be a real downer because it's like, oh, shit, you know, I can't, I can't see it in, say, late this year or at least like next year. Um, if I know, yeah, one more season five come out, it'll be next year, won't it? Well, I don't think we have assuming, any word on it, but yeah. Assuming would, COVID-19 be... hasn't fucked stuff up too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but no, like I, I would jump back into it. I'd still love the show just as much. And I think I've, I've seen enough of the show to know all about it. I wouldn't have forgotten what's going on. Um, I've seen it enough to to, to jump back mm-hmm. in. Um, and I think we sort of like One Punch Man, but like... Although actually, no, One Punch Man is probably a good example where like I think with the big gap between season one and two, mm-hmm. you could argue some of the hype was lost and some of the following was lost, maybe. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm pondering this now. So because uh, I think another example is like Attack on Titan. There's quite a big gap between season one and two. Right. Like season one was huge, and then season two kind of like there's a bit of a gap there, but I it's kind it also, of regained that momentum now. I think it does depend on the genre. So with uh, Snafu, that is a character-driven rom-com mm-hmm. drama. Uh, so naturally, if you know it's been like five years to the point where, aside from the main characters, uh, you don't really remember anything else about it, that mm. is, you know, to the show's detriment because it's all about like creating that cast and getting you invested in the cast as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can definitely see that like being an issue. <clears throat> Whereas with something like Eurocamp, like there isn't really a plot there, and the characters like the, the the characters are strong enough that you remember who everybody is, even if it's been so long that you can jump into season two and be like, oh yeah, I remember uh, Nadashiko and Ring and uh, Aoi and all all of them. Um, and there's not much you really need to get from season one aside from Rin learns how to camp through the power of friendship, mm-hmm. um, and they just go camping uh, again. Yeah, I, I guess I guess it, that's it. It's about how confusing the story is. Yeah. So like you may use My Hero Academia as an example. I guess like 
it's very easy to remember like oh these are the characters they're all learning to be superheroes at school oh yeah the league of villains like it comes back to you very quickly doesn't it it's not particularly yeah confusing. yeah exactly yeah it's very easy to like and you watch an episode you're like oh yeah i remember everything now it's all come back to me but uh if it is a really confusing story with lots of lore and lots of world building um you kind of jump back in and it's like who is that again who is that again who is that again yeah um, that's why it's kind of hard for me whenever like when when berserk came back i was like kind of lost um mm-hmm. after it's like seven nine year hiatus because i had read it like back around the time when it first went on break um and i loved it i like fell in love with the world and the characters but then when i jumped back in i'm like who is anybody uh-huh. yeah i yeah, i kind of found different. it with yeah. i sort of found it with attack on titan as well where i yeah, saw I the first that. season and I enjoyed the first season a lot, but there's a lot of side characters and even primary characters, to be fair, but I don't think are very well developed in that show. They're not really established particularly well. They're not built on particularly well. And there's a lot of unanswered questions. And when jumping into season two, it's like, there's a lot of side characters. So I'm just like, who is this person again? Like, like, and you forget. And, and I think it's one of the reasons I kind of lost interest in the show because I didn't really want to go back and rewatch all of season one. Mm. Um, and it just it just didn't really come back to me. Um, so yeah, another aspect I think comes into play is how how much how much stress was induced in watching the first season or the previous season of this show. And what I mean by that is something like uh, ReZero and uh, Made in Abyss. So Made in Abyss came out in 2017. So we're up to three years, oh, and we yeah, know a second yeah. season is coming on that. Made in Abyss is a very stressful show. <laughs> It is very, very stressful. ReZero, a very stressful show. And I feel like as you're watching these shows, whether you're watching them uh, after they finished airing or you're watching them on a weekly basis and you're building up the stress to it, to the events, you're getting invested in the characters, you don't want anything bad to them, you hope they're okay. Um, you kind of, uh, you get used to that state and you get held in that state. And then once it's done, that stress gradually kind of dissipates over time. Then the new season comes around and you're reminded of all the trauma that was inflicted on you. And you question yourself, yeah. like, do I want to put myself through more of that right now? Do, can I, do I have, can I build up the activation energy necessary mm. to start on the show and put myself through those very, it, very harsh emotions again? It sometimes feels so frustrating that Made in Abyss is so incredible and they just did those, I think, like 13 episodes mm-hmm. and they've not followed it up yet. Sword Art Online has now got so many seasons and so many adaptations. It's just like, it just doesn't feel fair at times. It's just like, you've got a fucking amazing series, but it's just isolated as this tiny little mm-hmm. adventure. And then you've got it's, fucking mediocrity to the maximum. And it's just like, so long. I it's think really, at least oh, in the case of something like Made in Abyss, right? Or, you know, comparing it to Attack on Titan, I, I think... I would say that Maiden Abyss's story was very focused. Um, mm. So to the point where it's like, I like it's been maybe like a year, a year and a half since I watched it, but I still remember like, I still remember like a good chunk of the story. Um, like I remember yeah. who the characters are yeah. uh, mostly. So with Attack on Titan as a counter or as you know, example to compare that against, right? Uh, it's kind of confusing because there's at least like a couple dozen characters and a lot of like, twists and turns and reveals to the point where it's like all right it's a you kind of have to chart out how the story goes but with made in the base it's a very straight forward line from exactly point a to point b 
it's no, it's not even that. It's just the down. Line the line is well, down. That's yeah, it. the line is down, <laughs> right? Uh, and they meet, you know, they'll, they'll meet like some side characters like Ozen and her assistant. Um, but then, like, you still remember, like, even if I can't remember the names necessarily, I remember a uh, weird robot doctor man who did the experiments. I remember the half rabbit chimera. Um, it, it comes back to you very quickly, but like the three main characters being uh, like Reg, Nanachi, and is it Nanachi? That's right. Uh, what's what's the guy's name? Is it? Like, oh my Rico god, the, that, Rico. Yeah, it is Rico. Yeah, Rico. Rico yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, those three. Like, what's great about it is that like ninety percent of the series is about those three characters. Um, it's very focused. Nanachi, yeah, exactly. Nanachi comes into it quite late, but she's very heavily focused in on on the last few episodes, and uh, she's. I think I can speak for nearly everyone in saying that she's the best character. Mm-hmm. um and yeah like yes. that's a great thing like you jump back into it and it's like oh yeah i remember these three and yeah. then like that's immediately your anchoring yeah. point so even if you've forgotten a few side characters it's like no worries i remember the main three that the crux of the series yeah. focuses on right and that's why like story wouldn't be an issue for me jumping into that one it's just like the raw emotional feel because like you you're human's recall emotions more readily than distinct memories and so and i think uh, because of those raw emotions with something like main abyss specifically and even you know to a lesser example re-zero i'm not a huge fan of re-zero mm-hmm. but it does have like very clear emotional moments and very clear emotional beats that i can you know draw up pretty readily compared to attack on titan which like it, it has those like dramatic developments through the story but it's i'd argue that they're not nearly as character centric um bad things happen to the characters Mm -hmm. but the story doesn't necessarily like have those characters really like chew on those bad emotions and that trauma they're not allowed to Mm. in that show well yeah Uh, it's kind of breakneck pacing Mm. um when it does like pick up so for say a standard shonen. If there has to be a break, what what would you say is the ideal length of time in between seasons? Where it's like, okay, like we've we've got had some time to recoup and uh, reevaluate and maybe work on something else, but we also want to get back in and like have the viewers back and um, back in action. I'd say that the ideal length of time is about a year. I think when you get to like the two year mark, it starts to get a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit difficult. But I think about mm-hmm. a year is basically with My Hero Academia kind of like timeline. Mm-hmm. I think because you get like a year off and it feels like a real break, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like it's forever. Like it, it brings it yeah. back pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that works really well. Because another thing is that Dr. Stone season two has been announced for 2021. And I know, Carrie, uh-huh. you just watched it. So it's more yeah, recent for you. Been, yeah. But for yeah. me, what that watched it when it was airing, that will have been, when that comes out, that will have been ten, two years at that point. So that's mm. that's like, uh, does, does it really need to be that long? Um, mm. So yeah, it's 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 interesting the difference in length between seasons because sometimes I remember there was the show uh, Boku Ben, uh, we never learn. I'm not sure if any of you watched that. It's utter trash. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. It's basically like poor man's Gotobun. But I watched the first season. Like wow, that was horrible. I probably don't need to see more. And then like. The season after the following one, so just two seasons later, was the second season. I'm like, wait, what? How did this get a second season so soon and not something else? How? Mm. And I was so mad that I watched it. Was, <laughs> oh it, was it really popular then? 
Ugh. It was. I, it was very popular. Um, the, was it the, that I don't popular? know about the anime. The manga was extremely popular. Yeah. So, so Matt, why was it terrible, and why do you think it was really popular? Okay, so it was terrible Waifus. in the sense that it was, it was like it was the same exact premise as Gotobun, where it's just like a bunch of dumb students need to be tutored by this guy, and the guy it has a heart of gold, and they all start falling in love with him, but they can't. They don't know what love is, so what, they're like, "What is this doki doki in my chest?" <laughs> <laughs> um, except for one character, it's just like you guys are a bunch of schmucks, and I'm just gonna watch on the sidelines. She's the best character, but she doesn't get enough screen time. Um, there's a whole lot of uh, incidences that are not, coincidences that don't need to be made, or misunderstandings that could be very easily be cleared up. A lot of uh, lucky letcher moments in that regard. Mm. It uh, also sounds fucking weirdly creepy as a premise. Yeah, it it's, I, would say, I, would, I, I wouldn't say it's creepy um, because like the premise is that uh, these girls, they're not dumb. They, they're very strong in their subjects. So one girl is very strong at science. The other girl is very strong at literary arts, but they want to go to school for their opposite. So the science girl wants to go to literary arts and literary arts wants to go to science and they're terrible at that. Right. But that's where their passion is. And so like, please like help us get into these schools. No one else believes us. They're just telling us to follow our strengths. And we don't believe that's right. And you can get behind that. Um, it's just like, it's just standard harem, rom-com, nonsense, bullshit. There's not a whole lot of the follow your dreams message. I mean, that's yeah. why it's so popular though. Um, yeah, exactly. That's why. standard harem bullshit. And that, like, that kind of shit sells very, very yeah. easily. It's, it's the, it's the misunderstandings that could very easily be cleared mm -hmm. up that really gets me that I don't understand how people tolerate. But yeah, that got a second season very quickly. And so I was just kind of flabbergasted by that. Meanwhile, I'm just here. My, made in Abyss. Chayafuru. It's Dr. Stone. Mm -hmm. Where? You just camp. get a season three. Yeah, that, this was before that though. And so that was another one. The time between Chayafuru season two and season three, 2013 to 2019. Oh Lord. And again, I jumped into season three. I was like, what the fuck? fuck is happening and I'm, i was very turned off i know there's always a uh, speaking of things not getting out of the seasons with the jojo's bizarre adventure franchise there's always kind of like quite a long wait in between seasons and it's not confirmed for ages when things are coming back yeah but aren't those even though, like, pretty like, self-contained uh well yeah so like the next part is a uh, part six stone ocean but like it's not been confirmed i think it's been about a year since the last part finished uh. and the next part's not been confirmed and like I don't know, there's no confirmation it will happen. And if, if it does come out, it'll probably be like 2022 or something. Mm -hmm. So again, there's a bit of a wait in between them. And they're, they're self-contained parts, so you jump straight back into it and it makes sense. But um, again, that always confuses me because they're really popular and they're really good. And I find it strange if they're not like, fuck yeah, we finished this part. We're bringing out the next part in like a year and a half or something. Get ready for that. It's always like this kind of uncertain wait of not hearing anything. I think that's the case for like anime in general. When you, like we we're unfortunate fans, and that is like we watch something we like, and we're like, okay, time to pray that it gets more. I guess still, because sometimes waiting, it's really just a roll of the die. Still waiting mm. on Panty and Stocking season two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just you, you never know. It's it's not like it's not a surefire thing like it is for a lot of other mm, Western yeah, live action yeah. productions. I feel like. Alrighty, what only has one season though, and. I wouldn't mind a second season of is brand new animal. And so mm. like we have talked about before, we've all had the chance to watch this show at this point and it's on Netflix for your viewing pleasure. It is the latest work by trigger and it is a very trigger show to start off. And so to get us started, I think Harry, you have the most uh, love for the show just 
by uh, me <laughs> osmosifying the information from the group chat. So what are what are your base gut reactions, base opinions to this show? I really enjoyed it, um, but I, I think it, it was great. But what I wanted coming out of it is I just thought there needs to be more of this. I, I think this could have been like a double length season, mm. like 24 mm. episodes. I feel like there's so much more world building and character building that could have happened. I feel like it was it was a great ride. It was really awesome. But um, I wanted more of, of mm-hmm. these characters. For example, there's a, the Mink character. Um, and I just thought I'd love an episode or two mm-hmm. that really yeah. tells you her backstory and tells you more about her. Because she's just sort of like a side character that pops up on occasion. Actually, um, let's back up a moment. Um, there are people who haven't watched Brand New Animal or don't know what it is at all. So okay. Let's let's start with what is this show? What is it about? What is its premise? Uh, so it's essentially, I think you described it as a furry show in the past, um, and I, I think that's kind it of is like a furry show. <laughs> yeah. it's no uh, it's about uh, humans uh, having a kind of animal form to themselves, uh, and there being these two species, being humans and then beast men, which are uh, animal iterations of humans, but can also turn into humanoid forms and. Uh, Quite a quite a lot of it discusses the discrimination between these two camps, and uh, there's a particular city called Anima City where the protagonist Michiru goes to live. Uh, but she's a human who is um, turned into a beast man randomly in, in, at some point, and she's trying to figure out why have I turned into a beast man? How do I turn back into a human? What the fuck's going on? Um, that's that's not the most elegant way of describing the premise, but that's basically what it is. Um, the show discusses all sorts of things like various politics of um, the discrimination between humans and beast men. Uh, but also there's some great moments like really trigger-esque moments. One of my favourites being there's an episode where she joins a beast man uh, baseball team. But it's like this kind of deadly, lethal baseball that's really uh, zany and ridiculous. And she's by far the best player on the team. So she tries to help this like really incompetent baseball team win and win this tournament and... Uh, that's just like an isolated storyline for one episode, but it's brilliant. And mm. I, I wanted a little bit more of that kind of stuff, that really zany, bonkers, trigger comedy, because it works so well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I I think uh, my thoughts on the show is, like, Trigger, hands down, is still kind of paving the way in terms of unconventional experimental animation styles and techniques just in the first episode alone, where Michiru is uh, first coming into the city, and she follows Shiro, the the wolf man that she has a unique relationship with, <laughs> and uh, there's there's a fight that breaks out, and there's that very there's that stark two tone color mm-hmm. like blue. It's just all blue and all red. It's very cool, and just uh, the way they have their characters expressed, the poses they make, it's all things that you don't see in anime that often. It's just the thing that. Trigger's greatest strength is just being able to show you a single frame and you being able to extrapolate so much emotion from it, just either from the characters or the environment or um, how they are posed. It's just, they put so much effort into uh, conveying that kind of information in their drawings. And I absolutely applaud them for that. Mm. What Trigger really falters on and that Kyle already touched on earlier is just um, world building and writing. And it's one of the reasons that I'm looking forward to the cyberpunk show because something that Trigger has consistently done now, and it was my, I had the same uh, critique for the Premiere movie as well, is where 
they'll have these really terrible things happening in this world, like really awful things. And then they'll just kind of laugh it off. Like in the first episode, it's just like, ha ha ha, horrible, horrible racial violence because you had these people that are literally hunting down Michiru, not because they're being paid or anything, just because like they hate beastmen apparently and they want to kill them. And so they kind of laugh that off. Then it's like, ha ha, human trafficking, moving on, ha ha ha, baseball, but you're trying to kill the other person. And so <laughs> this just like, there are kind of those things where it's like, I think about it, it's like, no, I, I can't really let that go. These are really awful things that um it sometimes feels like tonally it's a little bit all over the place yeah, yeah it's a total total yeah. mismatch and that makes it really difficult for me to settle in and enjoy the wacky zaniness that is happening on screen for me that said i really really love the the actually i can't really say characters. i just love michiru in this show oh uh, she's she is yeah, yeah she's a brilliant yeah, character she she, she, she is a hothead also. yeah she she's smart she's a hothead She's resourceful. Um, she has a sense of justice, and she's very flawed, as her friend uh, Nazana points out later on. It's just like I, I appreciate how interesting a character she was. It's just like the other everything outside around her. You watch the first episode, and you go, "I know exactly how this story is going to go," and then it goes exactly how you think it's yeah. going to go. Um, there's no turns whatsoever. Even when it makes you think it might be trying to play around with something, it's like don't judge a book by its cover. But nope, that book really well, was when, what it when, looked like. It's funny because like when they do that, it's like they the, the way the the characters like will you know act in a scene is very much uh, they're trying to obfuscate, but it's just it, it it's like somebody put it's like somebody putting on a mustache and being like, who could I be? kind of it's, mm-hmm. it's it's that level of storytelling which is awful uh the other thing about the writing aspect though um but like just so you have issues with the larger scope of things right like how plot develops and how um things shift and move around behind the scenes but the real issue that i have is that it makes the antagonists or at least like antagonistic figures very unlikable and unlikable yeah even in the sense where it's like i really wish i could like you as a villain like they're not charismatic muzan is incredibly unlikable but he's a really well-written villain i really don't like nazana at all Mm. yeah nazana's character was she's kind of all over the place yeah I, I I felt really confused what to feel about her because obviously like she's kind of sold as like Mitri's best friend, but then whenever they interact, like it's, it. it's like whenever really? they interact, yeah. it's like I don't really like this person. So you, you, it doesn't really show this great best friendship between them, other than these flashbacks. And yeah, and it's like Nazana's whole I, behavior kind of makes me like it, it, she makes Mitri weaker in uh, as a result. Mm-hmm. Like, there was that whole point where Mitra is like, I can't be friends with Dezelou. De, <laughs> that, that was in the, I can't be friends with Dezelou. And it's like, oh, there's going to be some sort of I like. Wish tension here. And then that. The I wish it stuck to that. The very next episode, they're just hooky dory again together. It's like, wait, I what? I fucking hate huh? it. And Nathana just wants to be popular, which is really mind numbing. Yeah, yeah. There isn't much, uh, much to go off of there. Yeah, I, I just I wish there was more. I feel like with the double amount of episodes, you could have had. A lot more world building and uh, just just a lot more great content in general. 
And I feel like yeah. confining it to like 12 episodes, it just, I don't know. Well, I mean, what I will say, say something positive. The finale was fucking awesome. Mm. The final episode was so exciting and so triggered to the max. And I yeah. really enjoyed that a lot. I just felt like at times it was a bit of a slog to get there. And yeah. there were a few moments that were just a bit slow, was, and a bit more grating. I was more interested in the the story that was promised after the show ended <laughs> than mm. I was like in the show itself, I feel like. After the show ended and it showed like, okay, like we're starting to uh, have these relationships come together. Mitru is more established in here. We can like focus on just zany antics. Um, like another one of the world building aspects that I felt was lacking. Um, Mayor Rose talked about how this city has been around for 10 years and how it was like her crowning achievement to make it. But like, how did she make this city? Because for all intents and purposes, what they show to us about the relationships between human and beastmen, the city should be impossible. So I'm really interested in like how she managed so to actually get that. Speaking of work. history, though, probably my singular favorite aspect of world building was when they did that small flashback to like a thousand years ago, where apparently there was another city like Anima City that was set up in mm -hmm. Eastern Europe. And it was like, OK, can I just see a series about that or an episode about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, I would have loved like a couple of episodes that show you um, what's the wolf character's name again? Is it Shiro? Or? Shiro, yeah, Shiro. Yeah. yeah, like his backstory. Like because they just kind of condense it to like a two-minute flashback, and it's, it's like no, like, Which, I want to see that, a couple that of episodes. Was fun, of and like it was, it was, it was fine, about, but yeah, I'd fucking love to see like a few episodes about it where it actually shows you all these new characters, then shows you what happens, and shows you uh, exactly what shapes his personality and again if they had twice as many episodes they could have done that they could have yep. really embellished mm -hmm. so many more moments so so the whole journey to get to the ending point feels so much more impactful and adventurous and, and meaningful it could have maybe even expanded on uh Nazana's character and mm -hmm. elaborated on why she is the yep. way she is and you could kind of understand her a bit more but without those episodes it just it sometimes felt a little bit flimsy narratively yeah but it was very entertaining and yep. like i said before the finale was great uh, there's a lot of trigger magic in there. It shows that, like, I think every show they've done pretty much, um, bar a couple, like, they've always shown, like, moments of magic and moments of genius. Even something like Darling of the Franks, which I know, like, we all rag on a bit, but, like, there were moments in Darling of the Franks which were amazing. And it's always been shown that Watch like, that show that up ability. to episode 16 and you're you're fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there's always moments where trigger shows how amazing they are. Yeah, it's just, that, that's something that always kind of... baffles me with Trigger shows. It's like, they're inconsistently genius. Like, I, I definitely recommend this show to people to yes. watch, yeah. if only because it's it's so unconventional in its animation style. And it's a very it's a very fascinating world that doesn't get fleshed out enough. But I definitely can't recommend it as, like, a good story or anything like that, or characters that you will remember for a long <laughs> yeah. time. Some, something uh, else that I just remember is like, there was that one part where uh, Michiru gets her phone, her, uh, an illegal phone, and she logs onto the face look. And she sees her mom like leave a message oh, like, yeah. happy yeah. birthday, we miss you. I'm like, give me more of that. Yeah. What was life like for her when she first turned? It's just like, it doesn't, because she didn't get to Anima City for like a year, she said? Yeah, she was like yeah that it doesn't give you a chance to breathe. Like there, are, it needs the little moments. It doesn't have. That's the thing. It doesn't have any of the little moments that really make these characters feel like living. There things. could have been such an incredible story there about like why did she leave home? I mean, I know she turned into an animal, but like, like yeah. how did that affect her family? How did that affect her mother? Yeah, because her fa her family very much knew and clearly loved her, and they were very. 
I'm assuming they were in pain to see her in pain. Yeah. Like, that's a very interesting piece morsel that they didn't go into at there all. There could have been and a I really, really sad story there about this strained relationship between them. And it could have shown that actually Mitra has been quite selfish in something she's done. And it could make mm-hmm. you reevaluate her character and reevaluate so many things. And I wish they had the time to do that. I wish they had the opportunities. Yeah. But then again, with that said, I kind of feel like even with the amount of episodes they had, they may have had those opportunities because there were a few episodes that I felt like this is a bit boring. This is kind of dragging out a story mm. beat, but I kind of, I know where it's going. I know what the end result is here. And I just feel like you're plodding along to get to it. Um, there are episodes that introduce certain characters who only served for the purpose of being pointless side characters. And then, like the the mob's daughter yeah. who never appeared again. Yeah, yeah. I, I See, that, that I was a fine like side story, but it was just so neatly wrapped up in one episode that I kind of didn't yeah. care. But mm. the, And yeah. what I... Sorry. And what the thing about that episode that got to me too is like, oh, we're finally going to see some like Beastman sympathizers, I feel like, because like it can't be the whole world. It can't be everyone hates Beastman. There has to be some sympathizers out there. I thought that's what this party was like. No, these are just like these are people that are tolerate, tolerate them. They don't know anything about them. They don't make an effort to about them. It's just Mm. like, oh, we're going to have fun. It's like, where are the humans that like are actually making an effort to make this connection? Because it can't all be just. Us Which honestly, you know, that, that party, like that, yeah. that was a fine setup to like edu like like to show how people can get educated on Beastman, but they kind of just peace yeah. out when things go south. Yeah. And it's like, okay, why didn't you do more with this? Well, yeah. also that, like, that mob boss's daughter just never comes back into it. Yeah, that too. Nope. Yeah, that was the only time she appeared. I was just mm. thinking, like, surely she'll come back into it at some point. Surely she'll play a bigger thought. role, yeah. and, and she just yep. doesn't. I mean, I, like, also, I thought she was going to play what role Nazana did. The, the presence of a a beast man mob is fascinating in its own right, and we could have seen the police force, yeah. which they've dropped in a few times, actually like butting heads with like some kind of black market or under. Yeah, there's there's a lot that they could do. Hmm. I'm I'm really interested. Wait a minute. No. Never mind. I was gonna say because I thought this was based off a of manga, but it no, looks like an the anime, manga came. Is it anime original? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's an anime original and the manga came afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So never mind, no excuse. I was gonna say that well, they were following the manga story. No, I, I would say trigger. that B Stars does a much better job of world building a somewhat similar concept. Or at least the idea of like That's how do these characters inhabit their world. And like that's going back to uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. That's yes. why mm. I'm kind of excited for this because again, they have a pre-established world, and that complaint—not complaint, but that—it seems like I'm the only one of the rare people that that bothers me, where there's that tonal dissonance. But in Cyberpunk, again, that's a very grounded, gritty, probably not a very nice world, and so I feel like the kind of writing that they want, that they're going for will be more at home in cyberpunk's world than it is here in bna what the kind of really horrible things that happen in Mm. it something i would still love to see is a kind of like just a dream just for the sake of curiosity i'd (laughs) love to see trigger um write a sort of a shonen that's like 50 to 100 episodes like a long show with a protagonist of color and just to see to see that's just like a bonus i just want a a popular protagonist of color because that'd be really cool um, for representation, but I'd love to see what they would do with a really long format of a show. I'd love to see how they write something that is really long, where they've got a ginormous runway of narrative to explore. Yeah. 
and how they maintain how, creativity how would they maintain creativity yeah. how would they build a world if it's like you've got 50 to 100 episodes to build a world if you've got something to the scope of i don't know demon slayer my academia whatever like like what would they do how would they write it i'd love to see i'd really love to see how they yeah go about that and i think to that point like the closest they've gotten to with that is little witch academia because like it is like mm-hmm. 23 yeah. 24 episodes and like yeah there there isn't like there's definitely episodes i enjoy more than others but i wouldn't say there's ever a bad episode uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think little witch academia is still my favorite term, it's so. their most consistent show narratively which makes me think maybe it's because it's longer maybe it's because they've yeah. got more time to delve into stuff and, and delve into the side mm-hmm. characters which um I, I mean actually killer kill was like the same length isn't it um it was right, yeah. I would say that the difference between the two is that the slice of life aspect of Little Witch Academia lets them, lets the characters breathe a lot more. Like Kill the Kill, it was very yeah. much like oh, high stakes Pedal all the, the time. Yeah. yeah. But I think some of Trigger's best moments are the sort of slice of life moments. Again, going to uh, BNA, like the baseball episode is my favorite episode. And it, it's really silly and, and zany, but it's so much fun. And I'd love to see Trigger tackle a show where they can have those episodes quite frequently. And then they can just say, this is a creative, bonkers, zany episode, but it's so much fun. I'd love to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I love the moments where they're just like eating dinner at the dinner table. That was redundant. Yeah. <laughs> Having dinner at the table and they're just like jabbing at each other and just, uh, I forget the the woman's name, but... Uh, how she says, don't take a shower oh, when yeah, you're in your great. beast no, man form. You're going to clog yeah. with the feathers and stuff. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of small stuff like that was really fun. Yeah. Which, by the way, like I forgot to mention, the beast man designs in the show are phenomenal. Mm. And the way that, the, not just that, but also all their human forms too, how they still resemble the, like, the beast mm-hmm, that they mm-hmm. are is so remarkable, like over the moon creative. Like mm. uh, the albatross, the way that is, the rooster. Uh, Shiro is by far the most badass looking Wolfman I've ever seen in any anime, period. Yeah. Um, it's just like, and the way they morph and transform to, it's uh, it's very smooth mm. without relying on CG too, which is just, it's all sorts of impressive how, again, they are at the forefront in terms of uh, raw animation and how to make a moving picture be cool. Yeah. <laughs> just gotta but- get better writers. <laughs> I, I think yeah. what I can praise Trigger for is that they always leave me wanting more. Um, again, yeah, with, I, with like with Premiere, for example, like it was, it was a really interesting film. But I always thought, like getting to the end, it wasn't like, "Oh, I'm glad that's over." It was a case of, I'd love to know more about like the main team, the main characters, the mm-hmm. protagonist, and um, I want to know more about this world. Again, like Little Witch Academia, even though the story wraps up really nicely, I finish and think there could be a second season of this. There could be more to tell. There could be more that happens. Even with Killer Kill, where it wraps up and like the whole kind of uh, story uh, is kind of over, you can't really continue it. I think actually it ends with a. I mean, you could continue it hypothetically, and I think if if you see the OVA, like I think the whole school Wait, is there's destroyed. An OVA? Yeah, there's an OVA to Killer Kill. Oh my um, god! Yeah, so there's a little OVA. It's it's. It's not great, but at the same time, it's interesting because the school is sort of destroyed and it ends with Ryuko and Mako driving off and they kind of like drive off elsewhere. And you think they could do a second season that's like Ryuko and Mako with a whole different cast of characters in a totally new location. And I'd be okay with that. And Trigger always leaves on that kind of note of like, there could be more of this. They could 
do more story and it wouldn't feel forced. There's, it would feel like you've got great characters to continue exploring. There's a difference between a satisfying open-ended ending and just not exploring or not um, expanding enough upon your story to have a satisfying open-ended ending. Mm. <laughs> and that's and Trigger very often is the latter. Again, like I'm very interested, I'm much more interested in what happens after this BNA has ended than what happened during the show. Yeah. Uh, that's the show I want to watch right mm. now. Yeah. One of my favorite moments uh, that really got me was, uh, I think the start of a series, there's a, an anti-Beastman poster in the subway. And there's very kind of like racist and, and very uh, yeah. opposed to them. And then it ends, like it shows you the same post at the end of the series. And uh, Nazana is like on the front of it. And it's like a, a promotion right. <laughs> for kind of Beastman and human equality. I'm like, mm. that was so, such good visual storytelling. It was so it was so neatly resolved though because again like the whole series were shown like humans hate beastmen and then suddenly it's like oh she's the idol of humans as well it's like wait no that can't, that can't just happen overnight yeah that's I, I I was a little put off by that I I liked I liked what they did with it but yeah, again Trigger, just narratively speaking and how Trigger they built tends things to up paint in very broad strokes which is mm. to its detriment. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All righty. Well, I I feel like I've been overly it's a negative fun show. on this it, because I still enjoy it. Like I'm still going to give it a 7 out of 10. It's still a fun show. Yeah. It's still yeah. satisfying. I'd recommend it to anyone. Um, it's just like I can never <laughs> fully settle into it. I think it's like, the, I, like every other Trigger show, there's concessions that I had to make along the way. The reason why we're so critical of Trigger is because we know they, they can do better. Fucking, <laughs> and they are fucking amazing. They're yeah. so creative and so genius. So we hold them to a really high standard because it's like we know that Trigger would be capable of creating again, yeah. arguably the, the best anime series ever created in the world. Like the problem if, if all is, the stars aligned. The, the, the real problem is, is just that they're so inconsistent. Mm. Mm-hmm. You never quite know what you're going to get yeah. with them. Like, uh, the cyberpunk show could be the best anime God, ever, or I it could be another so. Franks. Mm. Well. Do you think we'll get another Trigger show before the cyber, oh, cyberpunk show? Um, if if, if yeah, both of you, what, something in what would you want to see from Trigger? If, if you were like, <laughs> if you were given some sort of a, if a genie came out and said, I'm a really weird niche genie and I can grant you a wish, but it has to be related to the anime studio Trigger. Um, oh, wow. what, what would you want? What kind of series would I you want, want to do? And how live would in you a want house it to work? with Trigger. I don't know. <laughs> um, hmm. Huh. It's a good question. Well, the most obvious one, right? Let's it's like I, I'd want them to, you know, have a show that takes its time. Because I, I think one of my biggest issues is the pacing uh, with a lot of Trigger mm. shows. Um. But I, I think really, like, what I'd I, like to see is I want them to take risks. Uh, risks mm. in terms of, like, tell an uncomfortable story or have uncomfortable things happen to your characters and stick to it. Right. I In that regard, I think this is going to be weird, but I think I want them to write a drama. Mm. Because th- some of the most memorable parts of various Trigger shows to me have been very dramatic character-driven moments. Like, in Keys Niver... I wasn't a huge fan of that show overall, but there was one scene in particular where um, all the characters essentially are emotionally hurt. They are hurting so badly. 
And because they all share pain, that all is also transferring. It wasn't just physical pain, but emotional pain. And they're just all on the ground, writhing, clutching their chest, and there's this rain. And it was just such an emotionally charged and powerful scene that stuck with me all this time. Um, same for SSSS Gridman, another show I wasn't really fond of, but anytime there wasn't all the tokusatsu nonsense when it was just purely focused on uh, the school life and the, the ramifications of what's happening to these characters, I was just absolutely raptured by it, just how they were hurt and how they were trying to come to terms with their feelings and just the way they framed their shots too. And they also use a very distinct lack of music, of background music, which I think is a very powerful tool when used properly. And so I've been thinking for a while how Trigger could very easily use their, their uh, cinematography skills for this kind of dramatic storytelling. Uh, they just very much prefer flashy over-the-top Yeah, so that was actually some of my favorite moments in BNA. Uh, so to preface, I love the soundtrack to this show. Uh, because it's oh, yeah, yeah. got like really moody electronic synth stuff uh, that goes mm-hmm. super well with the blue and red uh, tones. And there are a lot of moments yeah. where you'll have like Michiru just like taking a breather, like taking things in that have happened to her. And you just hear this light synth in the background as it pans over a sunset on Anima City. And it's just slow, mm-hmm. calm moments like that. Very introspective, reflective moments where the characters just take that time to breathe and reflect that are so impactful. Yes, exactly. And so I think if Trigger could harness those moments and expand them into a similar story, I think a lot of people would tilt their heads at it. It's like, this isn't the Trigger I know, but I think they'd be surprised at how well they uh, handle it. I mean, I I do agree with that. I think like Trigger's best stuff is when they really get that drama right. And I think they are also obviously really good at the sort of zany ridiculous yeah. random yeah. action sort of stuff they do i think because it was, it was the same in franks yeah, too yeah definitely um i think the best thing about franks was the drama and the character moments um i actually felt like the action in franks was often quite disappointing or, or quite underwhelming um but i felt like the, the the character moments were just amazing and that's where like i think the middle of that series was just fucking 10 out of 10 like incredible like really fucking good Although the start was a bit slow and a little bit bland, but it got going. And then, like, the ending was obviously just completely jumped for shark. But the, the kind of middle chunk of the series was really good. Because um, it was just that drama between... Um, what's the lead character called again? Is it Hero? Hero, or, yeah. Hero and, and Zero, Zero two, One. Yeah, like, but their Zero relationship two, yeah. <laughs> and stuff, the way that developed and the way it did, it did the backstory, the flashback where it shows how they first met and stuff. It's like... It was corny at times, but it was so fucking moving and it was really, really satisfying from a drama standpoint. And uh, I'd love to see more of that from Trigger. I'd love to see more stuff like you that know where what? they I, just really focus. I, I got a wish for that, Genie. I want Trigger to make another <laughs> show like Gurren Lagann. Because Gurren Lagann, I... That's a good yeah, mix I think of Gurren all Lagann it, yeah. is like the right mix of zaniness, uh, like over-the-top cartoony action, but at times, like, it knows when to slow down and let its characters, like, just be emotional. Kamina was more than just, I believe in the me that believes in you quote machine. Like, there's more to he's his character than character. just that. And that's yeah. what makes him such a good and character. He yeah. makes he's other killed off really early. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah. But what's great about that is that, like, the energy that Kamina inhabits and, like, brings to the show, like, 
it works for the story because it transfers over to Simon, who becomes like as cool, if not cooler than Kamina. Um, yeah, mm. and it works so well. Mm. Yeah, I, I think Trigger has that ability to get that perfect blend of the drama with the action of the comedy and to juxtapose all these elements really effortlessly. So it feels so interesting, so uh, genius. And I want to see that in a long form format where it's just really fucking consistent and really strong. And I hope one day we get that. They are getting more and more popular. Every series they release, they're yeah. getting more more money, more funding, more popularity from what I can see. So I hope Fingers at some point they, they get that opportunity mm-hmm. or they get handed an amazing manga that's long form and, and someone says, trigger, animate this. And I hope they get to do that. I hope they really get a chance at some point to flex their animation and, uh, and storytelling muscles because... Mm-hmm. It always just feels like it never quite works. Mm-hmm. And I hope they get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, you heard us, Trigger, for your 2021 show. <laughs> Make it happen. And then you can do whatever you want for Cyberpunk. We'll have our we'll have our dream show before that. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. All right. But fortunately for you, wonderful listeners, you won't have to worry about if we'll get a second season of this podcast because we will be back in another few weeks or so. But for now, that brings us to the end of our road for our wonderful journey that is this episode. So, Mr. Kyle Morris. Where can, can we find, find you online, at? at? Like the Rogue. And I haven't really been reading manga recently, so I can't recommend anything there, but play Trails of Cold Steel mm-hmm. 1. It's, it's hey! pretty fun so far. I really yeah. like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I might talk to you more after <laughs> we're done recording. Mr. Harry Rogashon, where can we find uh, you at? I'm Harry underscore Morris underscore on Twitter. Um, I've only played the first little bit of uh, Trails of Cold Steel 1. I need to play more. Um, I've been distracted. I've been floating through so many games recently uh but i do need to get back into trails at some point because i was enjoying the very start bit but i'm not very far into it um i don't have any music recommendations i don't have any strong game recommendations but today i was (laughs) replaying a bit of hyrule warriors uh and i remembered that Mm -hmm. it is the best warriors game so uh you should check it out if you've not i imagine people have because it's super fucking popular but uh, if not, check it out. It's really good. It's a lot of fun. Well, I, w- I wouldn't say that because it never got ported to the Switch. It did get ported right? to the Switch. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was oh, playing okay, the Switch no, version. I, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, he uh, got, I, that's right, because here. I got it mixed up. I was. Th- yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's really, really good fun. Um, so if you need a, a an arcade beat-em-up that's just perfect kind of junk food gaming, then check it out. There we go. Trigger makes a Muso oh. game. Oh, f- wow, oh, that's actually a real... Okay, you know <laughs> that, what? Yeah, that I, is, that I would... I would love to see more Musu games of various genres. Like I mean, I've said it before, but I'd love to see like a Final Fantasy one or a Star Scramble, Wars. Scramble, please um, come to the West. Oh yes, yes. yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Persona Five yes. Scramble. Um, but yeah, let, let's see what more Musu games come out because uh, they're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And you can find me at Musing Mojack, M-E-S-I-N-G-M-O-J-A-C-K. As always, you can also find us on our wonderful website, Goomba Stomp, where this podcast is hosted where you can find reviews, previews, impressions, interviews of anime, games, movies, wrestling, all your nerdy wants and needs. Uh, Don't have any particular article to promote right now, but in terms of anime, uh, again, I've only watched Brand New Animal recently. I'm trying to think of another show that... You just recently finished Nagino Asakura. I I repped that last episode. I know, as a a change of pace, what is the worst anime you've ever seen? How about an anti-recommendation? Oh, Kanokon. 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 (laughs) And I I will only say that to shows that I actually finished. 
So there are much more shows oh, that I didn't funny. finish, I imagine. But uh, Kano Kone, I watched way back in high school. And it's just about a kid who some rescues a fox deity accidentally. And so now he, this fox deity is all over him. And for some reason, my feeble high school, my feeble high school mind thought it would evolve into something more, and kept watching it, and oh. never did. And oh. It was awful. Oh, no. yeah, <laughs> so that is this sounds awful. That's Matt's anti recommendation. Yes, that is my anti recommendation. So if you ever want to uh, lose some brain cells pretty rapidly, watch Comic <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a wrap, guys. Thank you for joining me with us, and we will see you next time. Ciao. Oh, see